She has a lovely home. That is not her home. It's all she knows. You want to rip her out of there? No one will love her like we do. Your love fucks people up. You're a fountain of heartache and trouble. But you'll be happy to know that uh, your friend is okay. What friend? The one with the eye patch. Janine? She is safe and sound at the Red Center. No, she's... No. Hello, and welcome back to Resisting Gilead. Today, we are going to be talking about season four, episode nine, Progress. And with me today, I have got Michael Aaron, who is the host of the One Mike Pod and a member of the Daily DVR Network family. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. You've been doing this for a while. And um it's it's good to me for me to finally be able to you know leave my mark on your podcast you know I, yes. I, Axel talks about it so much so you know you guys have been you know trading back and forth hopping on each other's podcasts and I've been I've been left out left out in the cold out in the club I can't even get in <laughs> so uh, yeah it's it's good to good to be here no I am very happy to have you here um, I you know kind of just like the more voices and point of views that I get on this show I think the better. So I'm excited. I know you've been covering it from a very top line perspective on your podcast, mm -hmm. because that's kind of what you do. You give everyone kind of like the gist of the episode and, you know, in just a few minutes, but um, this will be a chance to like really go deep, <laughs> really go yeah. deep in The Handmaid's Tales. So this episode is called Progress, which is correct for the most part. I mean, even the whole way through, everyone makes some sort of progress, uh, you know, perhaps until the very end of this. Um, I think, you know, Aunt Lydia's making progress uh, in her getting her Is power she though? back. Well, you know, I mean. <laughs> I can't, I can't really tell. <laughs> I think, you know, I think she's got a new agenda. I don't necessarily think she's making progress in terms of the old agenda and getting back in with some of these ants that are much younger and you know probably physically stronger than her at this point but um she I, I feel like kind of with Janine there's and you know kind of the experiences she's had with with her and even June this season and some of the commanders I think she's she's going to carving out a slightly new agenda for herself and the handmaids and and maybe even the ants but um yeah i don't know i mean it is always a question um it is always a question but yeah what do you think i, I okay i didn't know if i i didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that now or kind of like wait until we get to that we portion can, of the of the recording we, we can 
wait till we get into it. Um, okay. I do, I do think Janine is making progress with Esther, and I, I think she might have another plan. It's, it's a little early to tell. It's hard to know with Janine because she seems to really mm -hmm. slip back into her yes, Aunt Lydia <laughs> role, although she did influence Lydia uh, this, this episode. Yeah, I'm curious about Janine's motives to like, is this an affront? Like, is like, like, is this is this fake? Like, is she really, you know, sliding back into the norms? Or is this something she's doing to kind of acclimate and let yeah, it, get everyone to let their guard down while she executes something different? I don't know if Janine is is I feel like Janine is still kind of the same person who was willing to, uh, you know, have sex with that Steven guy and that one in that one group in order for them to be able to stay you know somebody with that level of dedication and willing to to do anything like it seems odd to me that she would be able to so easily uh you know do something like that and but then also just fall back into line once she gets back to Gilead so I'm, I'm wondering if she's if she has something up her sleeve yeah no I, I'm definitely wondering that as well um Luke and June make some progress in the search for Hannah um, with a nice assist. Um, Nick's life inside Gilead is progressing, we find out in a very <laughs> kind of odd way uh, at the end of one of their scenes together. And, yeah. you know, both Fred and, and Mark Tuello make progress in this episode. Um, it's, it's very interesting in terms of what progress means to, to all these individuals. Um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Sometimes it's both, sometimes it's neither. So <clears throat> it's very interesting, interesting title they, they chose, but. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times the title is is a lot more uh, overt than it is this week. Like it, it feels like progress is not the biggest thing that I take away from this episode, mm -hmm. where I, whereas normally I feel like the episode usually ties into something like a, a, a pivotal moment or have a big theme. And like, like you said, there's progress everywhere, but I don't know, progress just, it seems like a, it's, it's not the biggest thing that I took away from this episode. It kind of, you know, I felt like I had to look a little bit like, okay, so who had progress? Okay. Yeah. There's some here, some there, but yeah, every, every, there was some progress across the board for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about, uh, kick off by talking about Serena and Fred who are, you know, the couple I love to hate, uh, cause they're so disgusting <laughs> together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love the baby shower gift she's getting from their fan base. Like it's a hockey jersey, <laughs> like this little. Oh my god, suit. the mini suit! <laughs> so like so distasteful in Serena's eyes. I'm sure <laughs> she's probably. Oh just my god, gross. <laughs> I I blurted out laughing when he's like, "Oh, the future commander!" I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it, when it really kind of looked like a suit that you would put on like a tiny mannequin or something, like a tiny doll or. <laughs> <laughs> Who puts children that small in suits? Like I don't it's so... know. I, and you say tiny doll, and I think of the the murderous doll Chucky for some reason. <laughs> yeah, something. or the or the doll that rides the tricycle in in Saw. Like he would oh. wear that. He would wear that little commander suit. <laughs> God. Yeah, it was just um, it was kind of uh, hilarious um, and and beautiful for Serena to experience that, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, in this, he, he tells her, oh, you should really write a new book. Like, you know, now's the time. People are listening. And she's like, am I allowed to? Which, that was such a great lie. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, it's not often I feel for Serena, but she has had a lot taken from her 
um, I think a lot of that triggered her, has triggered her horrible behavior, but um, it's so interesting. She takes them seriously and it looks like she's starting to outline a new book when none other than Naomi Putnam shows up. Not who I was expecting, by the way. Oh yeah, no, not, I, I wasn't either. It was a complete shocker. Um, I kind of like this character. She's, she's always kind of, um, she's a good kind of, I don't know, low level side person, but she always kind of sticks her nose into it. Like at just kind of the right time for some reason. And I think the same is here, with <laughs> just the way she shows up. Yeah, she's like a very passive aggressive sneaky. Yeah. Like, like there's always an ulterior motive that she passive aggressively kind of just slides out there and, and underneath her fake friendliness. <laughs> I, I know. And that was just kind of another thing. It's, you know, we've seen these two women, Naomi and Serena together for, you know, three seasons now, and they, they are good friends. You know, Serena's always been very critical of, of her, of Naomi's mothering skills, but at the same time, you know, it starts off very, friendly like oh here are your handmade baby gifts from Gilead you know it's like it's like what what we call in the workplace when you have to give someone feedback kind of like the sandwich approach like you you give them some good news <laughs> like oh here is here are these gifts and then it's like oh yes we'd be happy to take that baby off your hands and then it's like here's oh. more gifts <laughs> and and I'm sure Gilead would love to have you back you both belong in Gilead and it's very like Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah it's very passive aggressive do you think though I, I i found it interesting when fred suggested that she write another book because you know it, I, I think it's it's in his from his perspective it's an olive branch kind of like hey you know here let, let's try to actually you know work this out and and you know work as a team but on the other hand i, I wonder like what is he how does he think he's gonna look in this book <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like a weird decision to make. Like, you think she's just going to write a fairy tale? Like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's always been somewhat out of touch with reality in this world. Um, you know, I think he was always kind of like the man that bolstered Serena up. Like, I think he even said once, you know, you would be a TV pundit and I would be your marketing person. And so I think once you kind of grab power, it, you know, I think, sometimes the more powerful people become, the more kind of oddly grandiose their inner mindset becomes. And I think he just doesn't really have a clue how horribly awful he is. I think he got a little taste of it with June's testimony, but even then he bit right back. But I did this right. for you. It's just, you know, kind of completely delusional. Um, I like thought that was a great scene, by the way. Like, uh, I just going back to that, his complete confusion at how he was being painted as a bad guy. And he said something like, I took you to see her. He was like, it was a kindness. Like he was so confused. Like <laughs> you're right though. He is, he is, now that you mentioned, he is quite oblivious to his, his nature and his, and how he's perceived. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the politicians we have today as <laughs> yeah, well, true. you know, I think it's, it's, <laughs> there's very direct parallels there. And, and yeah, he, he did seem completely, and the thing that really bothered me is he's like, oh yeah, it was a kindness. We, we did that ceremony to help the baby arrive safely when after that ceremony, he knew he raped her, you know, that, mm -hmm. and, and he, he set up that thing, not as a kindness, but, you know, out of guilt, really, uh, that meeting with Hannah, uh, just, you know, 
um, crazy, very crazy. Yeah. But along with Mrs. Putnam shows up Warren, um, Warren Putnam, and he and Fred are, you know, broing out over some scars <laughs> he's, he's brought up. And it becomes, I mean, this is a much more direct conversation, you know, so we, it's interesting, like the women all kind of speak in code, but you know, Warren's like, um, oh yes, we're totally with you. And, and he's like, but, but no, we haven't tried to get you out because, you know, it's kind of the same line. We don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't negotiate with kidnappers. And, and he's like, you know, we, we aren't going to trade you for, for anyone, which kind of makes me wonder who do they have alive still that would be important to America that's just locked up and that they haven't killed. Um, but, yeah, and- uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, I was just, you know, it, it just seems very interesting. You know, they're, they didn't even consider it. Yeah. And, and I, I thought it was interesting that, that he didn't want to give the perception of, of being uh, agreeable, you know, like, like he said something like it could inspire more kidnappings or something like that. And, and, and I thought that was a weird, I thought uh, not weird, but I, I I questioned that that response. Like, who are you, who who are you referring to? Because even like who when he said I think he said more kidnappings. Like, who else has been kidnapped? Like, the the kids weren't necessarily kidnapped by Canada. They were sent out by June. So like, I don't I don't know. I I don't feel like Canada has done any kidnappings to even be inspired. I- by (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i couldn't really tell was he referring to the kids or was he actually referring to fred and serena i mean serena kind of duped fred into crossing the border into canada right but they still captured him it so yeah it is kind of a very like kind of blurry area um and yeah it's very blurry area yeah yeah what what does canada do like like if you play this out and say Gilead says we will give you blank or we will uh, do like you said something about their humanitarian efforts we will do blank if you give us back Fred and say that deal goes off what are they afraid Canada's going to do following that like what is what what next move would Canada have or would even or even have a desire to have like that I, I'm, I'm just confused about what his concern is if they were to do that you know, I think the concern is maybe they would try to actually get their hands on more commanders to trade for more people. But that still brings me back to the question, who do they still have in Gilead other than children and handmaids, you know, of the same level of importance as commanders? Or maybe they even think a commander is worth 10 handmaids or, um, you know, 10 children. It, it, it's hard to kind of tell how that would would really work um, in my mind. You know, do, do they have the former president of the United States locked up somewhere? I would think no. I would think that they've <laughs> killed anyone in power that they captured. That would uh, be a hell of a plot twist. <laughs> I know. Well, and it got me thinking about who, who is the president of the United States now? That's a character we haven't seen. Um, <laughs> well, well, seeing as how this person gave birth to Gilead, I think we could probably guess. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But um, I, 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 with the, the end of that scene, though, um, this, when, am I allowed to swear? Oh, yes, of course. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I, I think the end of that scene was when you were, <laughs> when he said, oh, you have our thoughts and prayers. That was when he knew he really didn't give a fuck. Yes, about Fred yeah. <laughs> and I think it's at the end of both of those meetings, Fred and Serena are realizing they are fucked. And mm-hmm. we see that when they're sitting in that horrible little chapel. It's just so bizarre. 
And, you know, Serena, I think it's much, like Fred is pissed, but Serena's scared. They could take him away. Gilead could come for our son. The mother alone. They think the baby belongs to the state. Naomi said that? Naomi said come back to Gilead as if I wouldn't face retribution. They'd send me to the colonies. They could make me a handmaid. It's not gonna happen, I promise. I'll do everything in my power to make sure you and our son are protected. What power? I mean, could you just imagine her at the Red Center palling around with Janine and Esther and, and having Aunt Lydia lord stuff over her? I mean, it would just, it would make for some super crunchy, dynamic scenes and interactions. Um, it could oh, just yeah. be, you know, dynamite. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I've got some theories about that. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end. The funniest line in the whole kind of Fred and Serena Joy thing was when Naomi, you know, they're talking about Angela and Naomi's like, we have a bit of an issue with biting, but maybe that's genetic. Janine <laughs> <laughs> mean better that one time. Yeah, and yeah. That was funny. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, not my favorite, not my favorite line of the episode, but my second favorite for sure. Yeah, it was, it was definitely funny. Um, it was funny. Well, let's transition to the red center. Um, speaking of handmaids and Janine and Esther, who I like to call murderous baby June, uh, because she's such a June worshiper. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, I guess we kind of saw this coming. I was wondering what had happened to Mrs. Keys. Me too. Um, and I thought she is so young. There's no way they're going to torture her or send her to the colonies. So it seemed pretty, it wasn't surprising to, to see her show up at the Red Center. Um, though I do think both she and Janine were surprised to see each other, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, what before I before we continue on this too, I, I have a it's kind of an open ended question. I, you, there's no way you would know the answer, but I, I had this thought once I saw her there. I thought, what all do they know that she's done? Like she's done so many different crimes to them. <laughs> like, I'm just wondering, like, is is it just like, oh, we found out she's been housing handmaids, or like, did they also find out she'd been poisoning her husband? Like, <laughs> like, did she know she they she killed that one guy? Like, <laughs> she's you know. done a lot of shit. Yeah, she's, I mean, but you know, that's the thing. And this is where I think Gilead, for as harsh as they are, they're forgiving of the fertile in a very strange way, or maybe they think that's punishment enough. But like, you know, if, if I were them in charge, and you felt that there were people that were threatening the state as much as, you know, they were, you never would have put Emily back in service. You never would have put June back in service, even if they're going out to some Magdalene colony, right? It's like, mm -hmm. these are people that are actively trying to bring you down. Um, and I don't know if it's Aunt Liddy, Lydia's affinity for these girls or, or what, but you know, they really seem to give certain people 
passes in a strange way not to say that their life is easy but that they still have life um mm-hmm. i guess i'm but, glad they brought her back though i yes. found her to be a very very compelling character at the beginning of the season and it, it, actually coincidentally before i watched this episode i was thinking like are they really gonna finish out this season without bringing back esther ah. <laughs> and, and so I, I i was glad as soon as i saw on the previously previously on thing and i saw her in it i was like ah oh, she's gonna be back sweet yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's great. She's back. I think she's a great little actress. Um, I mean, she was so powerful in those first couple episodes. It was just, um, you know, to be so young and, you know, as, and kind of murderous. I mean, there are kind of a lot of similarities between her character and Elizabeth and, and June. And, mm-hmm. and I think between the two actresses too. And, and that kind of brings me back to that weird kind of like mother, daughter, sister, spooning bed scene as well that they had <laughs> oh um, so weird yeah it, it's very weird the connection these two have but you know um Janine is very protective um and I feel like she's kind of taking on the role of the June mm-hmm. took on with her you know June protected her a lot and helped her get through a lot and um it kind of feels like Janine is doing that with Esther now and you know, convincing Aunt Lydia to give Esther another chance before they cut out her tongue because she overhears that and, you know, tells, tells Aunt Lydia some of the backstory, the abuse of Esther's backstory. Um, So it's, uh, it's very interesting. Um, Yeah. And I I also wonder too, if there's a little bit of resentment on Janine's part toward June, and if she's going to start to relay that a little bit more in Esther's presence, it, it, since we know how much Esther idolizes June, because we know Lydia kind of played that angle a little bit, when, whatever episode that was last last week, I think it was actually, when she said something, you know, she, you know, she left you, and maybe, maybe you were just too much of a hassle, something to that degree, and then Esther mentions June, and she says something like, forget about June, and, and it could have just been a, you know, you need to focus on doing what you need to do here so you can survive, but it, it I felt a hint of resentment there, and I'm wondering if that's something they might play with a little bit in the finale because of because of the fact that we know how much June cares about Janine but and we know how much Esther cares about June but if Janine is kind of like a a a wedge in there that could be that could be an interesting play as well but I don't know just kind of yeah well throwing throwing shit at the wall see what sticks and and that's something that I thought from the time you know, my worry, even before we knew Janine was still alive and had been recaptured by Gilead is I was concerned that Gilead would recapture her and that they would set her against June, you know, as, as someone to work against her. So I do think that's a potential option. And yeah, that's still in play, I think. Yeah, it's definitely still in play. I think the alternate option is, you know, by, by telling this girl to forget about June, you know, June's in Canada. And it's interesting she doesn't say, oh, June escaped in Canada because that might set Esther on a whole kind of different motivational track. But there's something about me that kind of thinks that Janine is feeling like I can be the June now. You know, I, I feel like she did, you know, gain some of her confidence back, her, you know, kind of decision-making when they made it to Chicago. And I think somewhere inside Janine, maybe she feels strong enough to be like, I can play this role. I know, I know how it goes. And, 
and I understand some of the sacrifices I might have to make, um, but it, it yeah. might be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and take it a step farther. I think Janine can do that even mm -hmm. like beyond her perception of, I think I can do this. I think she can do that. Like she's shown that, I, I mean, she, when it comes to being tough in the face of adversity, she had pretty much the best teacher you could possibly have. So, I mean, it, you know, she, I, I think that's a, a, a very likely uh, turn that the show could give Janine. And I think she could, she can pull that off. Yeah, I think she can too. Um, I think she's ready for it, you know, um, and I think taking Esther kind of under her wing is the first step. Go on and call your aunt friends. I don't care what they do to me. Yes, you do. They're not going to let you die. They will keep hurting you again and again until you do what they say. That is their job. She did do a June type manipulation over Aunt Lydia to and on behalf of Esther, which, you know, how many times have we seen June convince someone to do something of her bidding? And this is the first time we've seen Janine do it, um, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. Um, a good, good change, I hope. So Yeah, I was kind of surprised it worked. Yeah. And then to um, the point where Lydia suggested the, uh, you know, why don't you go take her breakfast? Like, I, I thought that was an angle that Janine was going to try to work, but then Lydia suggested it. I was like, okay, wow, this is really working out well for her, for Janine. Yeah, well, and I think this is a good kind of transition into Lydia, too, because it seems like she's been letting Janine hang out at the Red Center for a long time. There was a big discussion about why this fruitful handmaid is still sticking around. Um, and I think Lydia's trying to find uses for Janine. Like, that's why I kind of think... Lydia's trying to maybe shake up the the handmade game a bit because she she did send Janine to do that task and and Janine was successful and and maybe she's going to continue to try and use Janine as an influence over difficult handmaids like a, a kind of a mentor big sister type person but at the same time it gives June the opportunity I mean June gives Janine the opportunity to put seeds in the minds of handmaids too, um, if, if she's going the June route. So it could be interesting. Yeah, and it could create interesting conflict uh, there as well with those other aunts who seem hell-bent on getting Janine out of there. And we know how important Janine is to, to Lydia. So that they, it, it could set up a interesting direction for Aunt Lydia's character in a situation where it's like, you know, <clears throat> on one side, I need to be loyal to what we do here, but on the other side, I don't agree with what these other aunts want to do with my, uh, I hate calling Janine her prize student, but that's her perception of her. So yeah, I think yeah. It, it could drive an interesting wedge in, uh, wedge there as well between yeah. her and the other aunts. I think it's, yeah, I, I definitely think so. We really learned how important Janine was to Aunt Lydia last episode. I mean, it was 
it was mother daughter like the way I think she you know, interacted with uh, Janine at, at the end of that episode. But um, you talk about a wedge and I just, I mean, clearly, I think everyone saw the ants at dinner. Like this is a clear depiction of the last supper. There, mm-hmm. Aunt Lydia was in the middle where Jesus sits and there were mm-hmm. um, her t- basically 12 apostles. There were six people, women on each side of her. The only thing that was kind of out of place in the picture was Janine serving them. But this was very like, okay, if, if, if Lydia is Jesus and she, and Jesus died for our sins, is, is Lydia going to die for Gilead's sins? And who's going to betray her? Who's the Judas in this group? Um, anyway, it was, yeah, I feel like it, I feel like it's probably Janine maybe it is actually yeah I, yeah cuz i i feel like you you i i'm trying to oh well for for starters the shot was very clearly meant to mirror like you said the last supper and i i caught that instantly but um i can't remember who is positioned where in the last supper picture but i i do think that and there is something in my mind that feels like somebody was kind of standing up behind jesus just like janine was behind lydia but the idea of, 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 a, of a betrayal, it's always, you know, it's the idea is it's supposed to be somebody who you, who you trust and who you value. It's kind of like, you know, the etu brute kind of thing for, mm-hmm. for, for Lydia, like if that were to happen and only Janine would garner that level of reaction from her, like that, how could you, like, I'm so hurt that you would do this, Like only Janine. So. Yeah, no, I agree because I think Lydia knows that right now her, uh, you know, that she's not a favorite of the ants either. It's just like Lawrence said, people don't like you. <laughs> they don't like <laughs> me either. Even the ants don't like her. Um, several of them don't. So it's, it, it's pretty interesting that whole Last Supper scene. And, um, you know, again, Lydia's super protective of, of Janine when the other ants call out what commander's family is going to want Janine in the house. You know, she gets very mm-hmm. upset and similar to when the commanders called handmade sinful whores. And um, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing, I don't know if we can call it the softer side of Lydia, but um, we're starting to see a different side of her, which is, um, which we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious if she's going to, I'm going to use a wrestling term. I don't know if you're familiar with wrestling. I don't, I don't yeah. watch it anymore, but I'm familiar with the terminology because I used to, but I'm wondering if, if they're building up a face turn for Lydia as, as in like her becoming kind of like a good guy. And I, I find that to be a potentially interesting, interesting, but potentially problematic, uh, weight direction to go. And I, I'm no television writer, so I'm sure they could, they could pull it off in a way that that still makes it compelling but i just i just wonder what you what you have left for the not left for the show but like i i look at june versus lydia as one of the most compelling aspects of this entire series and if lydia is no longer there as a foil to june i i, I don't know i feel like that would be disappointing to me hmm. um... <laughs> that that was very much a uh <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that hmm, was a lot more telling than it was meant to be. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I do think I was mainly just thinking about the, you know, kind of the sparring between those two women. 
But I think there are so many other, like, I mean, June has a lot of adversaries she's, she's fighting against. Um, you know, she definitely hates Serena Joy. She hates Fred. I think her, her relationship with Lydia is actually a lot more complicated than it is with, with Serena Joy and Fred. Like, I think if, if June got to, you know, pick one of those three to kill, I almost think Aunt Lydia would be the last on the list. Last like, one. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. I think there's a lot of respect there. Yeah, I, you know, I think it, that that handmade, um, I almost said Martha, the handmade aunt relationship is seems oddly complex. Um, mm hmm in in this case with, with aunt lydia i think in particular but um and, yeah and i think I, I and i i do think the show is trying to draw parallels between the two of them they're very similar they just have uh from their perspectives different goals but their approach to goal achievement is uh is very is very similar so yeah i think i think they have a lot more in common than they might even realize lydia yeah. and june that is and I think they've actually taught each other a lot too, you know, um, they've learned from each other in maybe not the best ways, but they've learned, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, it's, it's very, uh, very twisted, but, um, let's, uh, let's, uh, transition to the whole search for Hannah and June and Luke, June finally comes clean about the last time she sees Hannah, which was that kid pretended or actually did not know who June was, which mm -hmm. I find hard to believe considering she'd only seen her about 18 months earlier, but who knows what they've been doing to that kid. Um, yeah. This other thing. Oh yeah. No, I, I was saying that. Yeah. I, I thought that was, that was interesting too, that, that reaction that Hannah had. And I also thought it was an interesting decision on the part of the show to not show the conversation, but only show the aftermath. And I'm, I'm curious. Uh, and I, it's not something that I'll ever, get the answer to I doubt but I'm curious why they chose to do it that way yeah you know and it is interesting because it's it's more of a scriptwriter thing than a director thing but Elizabeth mm -hmm. Moss directed this episode too it, and and it feels like it was the next day like it was nighttime when she comes to him and says I need to tell you the truth but it was clearly daytime when they had this you know it kind of scene about it looked like she had just told him uh and then he gets out all of his files which you know he's been desperately searching for hannah and june the whole time and and you know june seems impressed like i i think she's underestimated luke in a lot of ways um and it's Definitely. yeah and you know and and moira's reaction was kind of weird like why do you have all this stuff out you know, it was, uh, I was just like, really? <laughs> yeah, it, it did kind of come off like, I thought we were done looking for Hannah. <laughs> it's very strange. And then, and then, um, I mean, you know, I think re-entry with this friend group is, is not been easy. And then Moira kind of also begrudgingly says, well, you have power now. You got 86 kids out, you know, use it. And June was like, oh, well, thank you. You know, I think they're still kind of have a, a bitter taste uh, between the two of them when June kind of inspired those handmaids to start talking about all the brutal things they wanted to do to the people that wronged them in Gilead. But maybe they're getting over it. I don't know. It's um, kind yeah. of interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, June being impressed with, with what all Luke had done. And I think that, and you also said that you, 
you feel like June has underestimated Luke. And I, I think that the fandom as a whole has as well. Like, and, and not by any fault of the fandom, it's kind of just the nature of how they portrayed Luke and, and essentially not portraying him. Like he doesn't, he hasn't gotten a lot of screen time to this point. Mm. And when you have a, a husband character that you don't see often, it, it kind of makes you default to what is he even doing? Is he even trying to help? Like what, you know, what's going on? So I think for him to break out all those files, I almost feel like that was a message to the fandom as well. Like, see, Luke's been trying. Don't yeah. give him such a hard time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also think the way they kind of set up that first season where you think Luke is dead up until oh, midway yeah, through the yeah, season. By that point, she and Nick have already established a relationship. And oh, I June just forgot about that. And June just continues with it. She's like, I know my husband's alive, but this feels good and I need this. And so it, it also just sends a, sends a really strange message, I think, to the audience too. Like, okay, you know, she loves her husband, but we thought he is dead. And now she's got this other guy and, you know, she may never see me. And I don't know, it's, it's really kind of twisted. Um, poor Luke, he's, he's kind of gotten the, the shaft. <laughs> um in a way but um he was in that actor ot was incredible in i think all the scenes in this episode he was just awesome yeah he uh he, i i was i was and have been thoroughly impressed with his performance in the second half of this season like they gave him an opportunity to really show what he can do absolutely crushing it and i loved um after he he took the after he took out the files and, and and Hannah said something like you you did all this and he said something like every day I could have done more and it gave me a very a very big Oscar Schindler vibe because I and, and Schindler have you seen Schindler's List yes yes actually that's a great great comment wow yeah that that was my I, I still to this day I tell people like I, I'm not a very emotional person but that was one of the only times I've ever teared up watching a movie was uh, when Oscar Schindler at the end, he's surrounded by all of these people he helped free, uh, you know, from, from persecution at the hands of the Nazis. And all he can do is cry over the people he didn't help get out. And he said, he said that, he said, I could, I could have done more. And he's breaking down crying. And when, when Luke said that, I was like, oh man, you, you're touching me right in the fields, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that's a really interesting bond that I think both he and June have because when we get on this call with Lawrence and Lawrence is like we'll trade you 10 kids that you got out of Gilead Gilead for Hannah you know in a way June by turning that down she's like I'm not going to sacrifice one of these kids that I got out for my own kid it's like a really hard decision but at the same time it's like you know it's like why you know it's in terms of the Schindler's List it's also kind of like I could have done more and in some ways this would be her doing less if she mm -hmm. traded 10 kids for the one um you know uh I don't know I do think that conversation with Lawrence was super interesting you know he's he, I think he's just been bored with these commanders and everyone else I think he likes June he likes sparring with her he seemed happy to be talking to her, although he's harsh. You know, he says to her this line that's just like such a gut punch. And it's like, your love fucks people up. You're a fountain of heartache and trouble. And I was just like, damn, where did this come from? <laughs> 
and 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 the 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 most painful things are the ones that have some truth to them and she's that's a burden that june has to carry that i think we forget about a lot of the time is that the people who have been lost who have been hurt because of 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 what she's been attempting to accomplish so like you know when he says something like that you know it, it comes off like oh man that hurts and it it comes off that way because there's some truth to it and i think that the, the two of them like you said they have a great rapport as far as like those characters for us as the fans to watch like they, the the two of them have a great great conversations anytime they talk when he said you know I, no one likes me i want to be like i like you commander lawrence i think you're actually pretty interesting of character so yeah i think he's very interesting he's uh he's one of the more interesting characters we really have in this in this show but um i don't even understand his motivations at this point either well like, and, yeah and that's something we talked a lot about last week andy and i it's just like yeah does he have an end game? And I do, I do think it's more all about the power and not being bored. I think he likes kind of being the puppet master. And I think that's what was so, so interesting about this scene between he and June was that he's really poking at her, right? You know, mm -hmm. he says this thing about her love and, and everything else. And, and she comes back and she's like, we love her. She, she's our, you know, we're her family. And that gets to Lawrence. Like that was kind of the first time I saw him display that kind of level of emotion where he seemed to get choked up a little and then, you know, um, tells her to move on, hangs up the phone and is like, if you can, like he, I think he really is fond of June in a bizarre way. And and understands the hurt now for some reason. Cause he said he always underestimated kind of the feelings of motherhood, but I think he's starting to get it, which is, um, you know, probably yeah. really difficult for him, but he's getting it. Yeah, I, I agree with June that at his core, he's a good guy. It's just that right now he has to be concerned with his per, his perception, especially since, you know, the commanders back there already know what he's what he's been up to. And he knew that he was being recorded. So he has to be, quote unquote, Commander Lawrence on the phone. He has to show that, you know, that hardness that, you know, I, I, I it's, it's so performative, I think. Because as soon as he hangs up the phone, he almost looks like he hated the like he hated the part of him that he had to put out in that conversation. Like yeah. that's not the conversation he would have liked to have ideally. And I think you're right that he does like being the puppet master. He kind of does like to, uh, you know, almost in interject inject chaos into everything that's going on and kind of like have control over it. And his 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 nature in that conversation, I think, was a byproduct of the fact that he knew that he was being he was being listened to by someone by people other than June, because like you said, his reactions to things that she said show that, you know, he's at his core, he's a good guy, but right now he has to play the game and he, he has to be careful. And yeah, yeah lots of complexity there that I really enjoy when they, when they have conversations. Yeah. And I mean, actually, when you think about it, June is probably the only person left that actually cares about him. And June is probably the only person left that he actually gives a crap about, right? You know, because since his wife is dead. Probably. So there's a very, you know, unique, like this is the one person that I care about and that, that cares about me and in a shred of a way. And, you know, um, 
I don't know. It is it is pretty interesting. Um, so many complex dynamics <laughs> between characters in this in this world. Um, but since that kind of goes over like a lead balloon, Luke <laughs> has this idea, <laughs> and the the idea is for June to talk to Nick to see how Nick can help. And this is where I thought this was like the most fantastic scene that OT Luke has done of the yes. season. Unbelievably amazing. Um, I spent a lot of time on it on my on my uh, episode covering this episode. And yes, uh, I incredible, incredible work by him. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. I mean, how do you because I mean, if we were in a Gilead situation, you could potentially be in this situation. You've got a wife and two girls. And I mean, would you have been as willing to to let your, you know, wife go to her lover she had a kid with to get your other kid out? I, I mean. A absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 the links that I would go to for, for my kids are, uh, I, I, I know every parent probably feels that way, but um, the links that I would go to for my kids are things, I do things that are completely unimaginable by most standards. If I thought it would help my yeah. kids or uh, to, in theory, get them back. Yeah, at, no, at, I do it without hesitation. Well, I can't say without hesitation. I'd be uh, equally as hesitant as he was, mm. but at, outwardly as, I'd, I'd have played it the same way. You know, verbally, this this needs to happen, but inwardly, like, ah, uh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that that was, you know, probably pretty clear. Um, um, I do think it was good he came up with the idea. I, I think it would have been, it, you know, it would have been worse if she had come up with it, and I don't think she would have entertained it. I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of strange, but um, you know, I think June knows how hard it was for for Luke to bring that up but at the same time she looks pretty excited to see nick again um i, I noticed that too there, it was yeah. almost kind of like she was like oh i don't know almost like with like a almost like a smile on her face like like i can't be i can't be you know for 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 luke's sake i can't be too into this idea like i can't show him how into this idea i am because i know how difficult it is for him to even bring it to me and she played that on her face very well as as well yeah um yeah it was pretty interesting and and it was also you know they're getting ready to go to this location to meet nick and it drives me crazy but june's in the red coat like handmade bread and <laughs> nicole's in gilead pink and i'm like is this just so nick feels more comfortable i mean it was just bizarre i hate that they keep putting her in red it drives me nuts yeah um, you know yeah i i, I I found that to be odd to the, the, the use of color in this show is never meant to be taken lightly. And I think anytime something like that happens, it's not by coincidence and we are meant to take something from it. And I don't know what I'm meant to take from this necessarily, but I notice it and I think it's weird. And side note, what I also thought was weird was when they got there, <laughs> she put Nicole in this like little stroller. She's like pushing it through the snow up a up to a house that she's parked right in front of. I'm like, why don't you just carry her in? Why are you pushing the stroller through the snow? <laughs> I don't know. That is kind of weird. Um, something else I noticed though, before we really dive into June and Nick is she brushes back her hair at one point before she gets in the car. She still has her red tag in her ear. 
Yeah, I've been noticing that for a while, and I I don't know why that's that doesn't make sense to me, especially since I thought I saw her tear that out. Well, she did the first time when she got to the Boston Globe headquarters or Mm -hmm. when they were transporting her there, but she hasn't this time. And I know Emily's had hers removed because they talked about how the ear would heal in a scene. And I just find it bizarre that she hasn't had it taken out. Um, Maybe that's meant to, maybe that's meant to let us know that there's still a large part of June that is not, not necessarily missing Gilead, but maybe is so infected by it that she can't let it go. And that's Mm -hmm. why maybe it's like a subconscious thing. Like here, let me put on this, let me put on this red coat, not because she's thinking, let me put on a red coat, but because it's just a subconscious second nature to her. And that we're, and a lot of the things that she's done, a lot of her actions throughout the course of this season, I feel are, are, are a byproduct of how she was treated in Gilead. Like she's, you know, she said, Gilead takes everything from you. And I think that that's true. And that she's take, like, she's lost a lot of who June was and has, I don't say gained because that makes it sound like a positive, but like has, has been a little bit infected by what Offred became. And I, I think that might be why we see the tag and why the red coat it's just to tell us, you know, like this, she, this is still a part of her very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is pretty interesting. And I don't know, I felt the Catholic overtones in this episode. Like we've had the last supper, but you know, there's something about, I don't know, maybe she is the director links Gilead between Catholicism. I know she's actually a, a Scientologist, um, which is a what? whole other. Oh yeah. Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist. No way. Yes. Yes way. <laughs> okay. Wow. That blew, that blew my mind when I heard about it too. And I, I can't even like really stop to think about like what that means. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> but I find the Catholic overtones, it, knowing she's a Scientologist and the extreme Catholic overtones in this, I grew up Catholic. So I feel like it's all, you know, it's definitely Christian, but I feel it's always kind of more Catholic. And I feel like June is Catholic in a way it was raised Catholic. Um, I can see that kind of based on the church, the kids was baptized in and things like that. But um, they're at a Maria Magdalena school, which I thought that was interesting choice considering she almost got sent to a Magdalene colony. So there's, you know, Mary Magdalene's very present Mm -hmm. in this episode, but then also when she sees Nick and they're outside that, light shining down on them it's like oh this is the holy family kind of like jesus mary and joseph it was really weird (laughs) yeah yeah no that's uh no it's a good point i hadn't even considered that yeah i don't know they use but i'm very i'm very devoid from religion at times but i (laughs) but uh, i'm knowledgeable enough to get all of the references that you're making yeah yeah it was very uh i don't know uh kind of bizarre and i also thought what was bizarre is there, there's been this piano theme the last couple of times with June that the notes, for the most part, remind me of that bit in the Game of Thrones right before Circe blows up the sept. It's, it's a couple mm-hmm. piano notes. Um, it changed slightly when she sees Nick, so it, it became a little more hopeful. But I was just like, oh, is, you know, is June going to go full Circe Lannister, which 
ever say never, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's very much well, considering how the episode ended, it's that's very much yeah. on the table. <laughs> yes, yes, it definitely is. So, Nick, the upstanding guy he is, has already put together a full file on Hannah, knowing that June would still be looking for her, which that's pretty impressive, too. Like, you know, she's got two really good guys that love her, they're they are willing to do anything for her and to get Hannah back for her. So um, I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, I was think I was expecting the rug to be pulled out from us at any moment throughout that entire scene. I was like, is Nick going to betray her? Like what's going on? I, 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 don't, I just, I, you can't get comfortable with joy on this show. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, well, well, I mean, it's true. And, and honestly, as she started driving up there before I realized she had security detail with her, I was like, is she just going to take off and not come back? Like, that was kind of one thing. And, oh, and yeah, you, you do worry that, you know, somehow he's going to get her back in, into Gilead. But I think, you know, I'm sure seeing her with his daughter, knowing they were out of Gilead was, was a good thing. Um, and then that's something else I wonder about Nick, because we know he had that meeting with the Swiss last season. And they seem to tell June afterwards, you don't know who he is. You don't know what he's done. Mm -hmm. We don't think we can use him. However, I could see him saying to them, you can never tell June that I'm doing this um, because it'll put everything in jeopardy. And I kind of wonder if he's actually already a double agent inside Gilead. I, I I feel like that's possible. Uh, I, I'm a lot more, uh, I'm a lot more bought into that idea now after this episode than I would have been had it been presented earlier in the season. But uh, no, yeah, I think that's on, I think that's on the table for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it is now too. Um, more and more, like he says, he has friendlies that took these pictures of Hannah. He is a commander now. Um, you know, he seemed to be leaning on Lawrence in the beginning until Lawrence kind of used him and abused him a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, but the big bombshell and June doesn't find out about this, but we all do. He's married again. Yeah, that, that was that was uh, that was confusing to me. There, there must either there's something I'm not remembering or this was supposed to be a surprise. I think, I, it was and I'm not sure. I think it was supposed to be a surprise. And, you know, when he became a commander, and I've honestly been wondering this about Lawrence too, is, you know, there's an expectation for commanders to be married. It's part of the Gilead. That's a good point. Motto. And yeah. I kind of thought it's only going to be a matter of time before he marries again, whether he really wants to or not. And so I'm curious to know who he is married for sure. Um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. I hadn't considered the fact that it, it's probably almost a requirement of being a commander that you be married. Yeah. Well, and also makes me wonder, depending on who he's married, does he have a handmaid in his household? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean... You know, because I can, I often wonder about that poor woman that was married to Commander Winslow and they had like the six kids. Mm -hmm. Like they never would have let her keep those kids unless she remarried. And mm. 
you know, I could see Nick being chivalrous enough to come in and say, hey, I'll marry you so you can keep the kids. Not that he knew her or anything, but I could see him doing something like that. I could also mm-hmm. see him saying, we've got six kids. We don't need a handmaid. But maybe that's a requirement too. I don't, you know, it's just, <laughs> Yeah, I hope they play that. I hope they play that out. And that wasn't just a thing that we're just kind of, you know, we see it and it's like, oh, hoo, hoo, interesting. I hope that, I hope they take that somewhere. I really yeah. like that. I really like that idea. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I think uh, that really kind of set some stuff up for the next season and, and his storyline too. So June drives home. You can tell she's all emotional over her, her meeting with Nick. And, you know, he, t- he tells her to be happy. She tells him the same. <laughs> Clearly, that's not going to last long. Um, they, <laughs> she gets back and everyone's happy for a few minutes because they're looking at these pictures of Hannah and her house and her school. And, you know, Mark Twill is like, this is great. This is exactly like, you know, what you wanted and needed. And, you know, they're more motivated than ever to get Hannah back. And Moira's like, we've got a good man in Gilead. Like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And Tuello, I call this whole scene the big fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, oh, well, we have this new asset in Toronto now too. Oh, who? Fred fucking Waterford. <laughs> oh, man. He's going to spill the beans in exchange for his freedom, which I'm like, the rape can't be his only, the rapes can't be his only crime that he's up for. It's like, how, how many crimes did you let him off for in, in exchange for this? Crimes Ugh. against humanity. Like, yeah. And then here's the thing too. I doubt this was brought to him. He probably brought this to, to Tuello. And, and that, that would be an unexpected, uh, present to be dropped in his lap because you know they're sitting there thinking you know we got to figure out how we're going to handle you know all the things that are going on and to have fred waterford come up to you and go hey i'm willing to give you gilead information like what the fuck where'd this come from well and and that shows you don't (laughs) never tell anybody that you they have your thoughts and prayers because they might come (laughs) back to bite you (laughs) exactly because i think that whole scene in the chapel between Fred and Serena sealed the deal for Fred you know the thought of his son being raised in Gilead without either of them Serena potentially becoming a handmaid or going to the colonies and and she's like how can you do this from the outside and he's like have faith and it's like yeah I'm going to spill all the freaking beans which means they're never going to be able to go back to Gilead ever (laughs) not not by choice um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is just, uh, so, I mean, Moira's pissed, Luke's pissed, June, you know, we've all grown to know June's looks, even when they look somewhat calm. <laughs> she didn't right. even look crazy when she looked over at Luke, but sh- man, that whole thing She's just like, I'm going to kill you. Ah, rage. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was wild. And I mean, I don't think Mark Tuello has really understands what he's done, considering the last episode we listened to handmaids sitting around talking about how they would sodomize their 
past mistress, mistresses with brooms and cut off the dicks of their commanders and feed them to, <laughs> to, to them, make them eat it. I mean, it's just, um, he, you know, I think of Shakespeare, hell hath no fury like a woman scorn. He never mm -hmm. saw June Osborne act. <laughs> he never saw Elizabeth <laughs> Moss act because that was just like that phrase times a hundred. She's just enraged. Um, I didn't really expect her to say, I'm going to kill you to him. Like I knew she was going to go after yeah. him, but I was just like, oh damn, it's, it's like, it's open season now on anyone she fucking has a problem with. Yeah. That that's like, like you said, we, we can read the faces and we can see like, okay, shit's about to go down. But that even, even once it was happening, when, once she went to, I will kill you, I was like, okay, she's going even farther than I expected. Like, wow, she's really, she's going to full 10. Like, And I won't lie, every time I've watched that scene, I start laughing. And I, it's not because it's funny, but it's, I think it's just like an utter shock at how enraged she is. I don't, I don't understand why I laugh, but I'm just like, I think it's like a laughing and then like, a, oh shit, they're screwed now type of laugh. But um, I don't know, maybe it's kind of a joy in seeing her just like so pissed off and she's going to kick ass and take names. Yep. Ooh, yeah. It's been great having you on, Mike. This has been, I think, long past due for us to podcast together. And I'm Dude. glad we kind of did it late in the season because that seems like there's so much more to talk about. So thank you for coming on. I'm really, really happy to, that you were able to do it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a, was a good time. And I, I chose this episode with, with purpose. I, 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 I try to hop on for like finales or what I think are going to be big episodes. And I saw the episode nine was directed by Elizabeth Moss. And I was like, this, I bet that's going to be a good episode to talk about. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was very intentional. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much again. And listeners, thank you for joining us and listening into the pod. And as always, don't let the bastards grind you down. We will be back next week with the season finale, but be sure to check out the bonus episode that we've put together about all of the predictions.